In part two of our discussion on Jeffrey Dahmer, we continue to follow his grisly murders and perverted sex acts with the bodies of his victims. Until one day, he makes a mistake. We'll talk about his arrest, the investigation into his home, and the court hearings to determine whether or not Dahmer was legally sane. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If part one of this story left you hungry for more, stick around. Part two will surely have you emptying your fridge. This is Necronomapod. I was uh, branching out. That's when the cannibalism started. Eating of the heart and uh, the arm muscle. It was a way of uh, making me feel that uh, they were a part of me. At at first it was just curiosity and then it became compulsive. Then I tried to uh, keep the person alive by inducing a zombie-like state by uh, injecting uh, first uh, dilute acid solution into their brain or uh, hot water and uh, it never did completely work. All right, so I think we can all agree. We can all agree we love hot wings, right? Chicken wings? Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone who sees us knows we love our fair share of chicken wings. My question, do you prefer flats or do you prefer drums? Drums. Drums. I always get only drums. You request only drums? Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Mm. Why so? I just think they're easier. I think it's hard to get that little piece of meat between the two little bones out. Much better on the drums. Yeah, you got to crack it in half. You don't have to. Too involved. Well, for you unskilled tongues like you two, (laughs) for people like me who's got a skillful tongue, (laughs) I'm a flats guy. And I think I love both. I mean, I'm a hot wing. I'm not going to turn down anything. Sure. And I've never asked for just flats. Some places actually charge you. Do you get charged for that, Dave? I don't pay attention. I just order mm. drums. Yeah. Money's I, no object, man. I just want wow, my drumsticks. Look at this guy, motherfucking bougie-ass motherfucker well, with his know. drumsticks. Keep your flats in the yeah. back. He has someone else hold them for him, too, and he just eats them out of their fingers. That's true. So he doesn't have to get his fingers dirty. That's true. I don't like getting dirty. Ugh, those fucking pedestrians who will hold their <laughs> chicken wings for money. I like the flats. No, no specific reason. I just hmm. enjoy them better. Interesting. Yeah, I don't you, know. you have a lot of things you like with no specific reason why. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have a specific reason why either, really. You just said you prefer the drums. I just told you why. It's hard to get the little piece of meat. Not, up it's and not. Well, that's it's, my reason. Well, okay. Just because you discount my reason doesn't invalidate it. No, I'm just drunk and completely forgot you even <laughs> said that. If we're gonna be honest. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't Do I need the, reasons oops. to like things? Like you just have a preference, right? <laughs> like I, I don't Absolutely. have a reason. I don't, yeah, no preference. Just the, the flats, I prefer those. Okay. I have no problem uh, with that. I feel like the wings, maybe it's the, because the wings have too much bone and like tendon on them too much. Too much connected to it. Mm. Whereas like the flat, it's just, it's just bone. There's no other like funky stuff. Mm. With, a, with, a, with a, a drum, I feel like you might get occasionally extra. Maybe. Mm. I'm just trying to play it out in my head. Anyways, I don't know. I'm running out of stuff to talk about, so that's what I got. Thank you to Conrad Thompson from Something to Wrestle. He posted on Instagram the same question, right. and I stole it from him. So. It's a solid question. Nobody come at me. Ian, what were you going to say? I know Mike Rude interrupted you. <laughs> I didn't even hear him speak. That's why it was so rude. <laughs> I don't mind the flats because you can just break them and eat it in just one bite. There you go. Yeah, I don't turn them down. It's just my preference. The guy's not wasting yeah. any time. Wing's a wing. There. Of course, it's delicious. If it's made properly, of course. Yeah. But I know some places will charge you if you request just one specific, you know, wing or, or flat or drum. Oh, well, I flip my table over if they try to do that. See? 
That's how you do it. I go, I'm not wearing a fucking mask in here. Freedom! Fucking thing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Can't eat fucking wings with a mask on. Oh, so we recorded an episode before this and we're all drunk. <laughs> Hence Dave going off on mask rants and me forgetting things he said 15 seconds earlier. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun night as we go through this. Oh, yeah. And anyone who listened to Jeffrey Dahmer 1 knows that Dave and I had some fun. I hope the story translated. I hope so. I was pretty intoxicated for so that show. So was I. Actually, it kind of just made me excited to do Casey Anthony. Like, do her. Who would be excited to do But Casey also Anthony. do a story oh, on her. Okay. Yes, yeah. both. Well, when she's in studio, I mean, both will be done in the same night, probably. I mean, she. I know she's fond of both of us. She loves us. Yeah. She's a big fan. Big fan of Necronomapod. Shout out to Casey Anthony, one of the best listeners of Necronomapod. It's wife material. Now that I would, you know, maybe. No. <laughs> Oh, says the guy who's hold, in love with Jody Arias. Hold on a second here. <laughs> Smoke show. Head over to patreon.com slash Necronomapod to hear my my strong argument that Jody Arias is marriage material. Yeah, let's be honest. Ian's no saint over here either. He goes on rants about how, <laughs> how marriage material uh, and how much he wants to wife up Jody Arias. So just saying she was found guilty. True. My wife was found not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> have we've done the f mary kill jody amanda knox and casey haven't we oh yeah i think a long yeah. time ago oh yeah all right well tune in tune back into that episode whatever it was to hear those answers i don't think my answers changed i don't think mine has either but we're not going to refresh them go back and listen to those archives if you can't remember which one download all of them <laughs> right what else are you doing this weekend this week oh i thought you were asking me oh. <laughs> i was like what, is he making small talk what are you making <laughs> Oh boy! He like, Here we go. We happen to look at each other at the same time, and I was like, well, "What the fuck? Like you making small talk now? All of a sudden, we having a cup of coffee?" <laughs> he was asking, oh, "No, boy. all you people listen to all the other episodes. We appreciate it. Hey, we crossed a million downloads. We talked about that last week that we were going to get close. We did it. Pretty crazy. Congrats! Big- congratulations to you, Dave, and to you, Ian. Oh, and to yourselves as well. Oh. Yeah, thank you. That's who'd, a big number. Who'd have thought we went? Pl- we would go platinum. Yeah, it is platinum, isn't it? Yeah, pretty impressive. Million downloads. That's why we've you know been celebrating the last two weeks getting shit faced. At least Dave and I have been. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, that's it. Going on rants about Casey Anthony and Ian's just over there shaking his head, thinking I've built this podcast into what it is, and you guys are gonna fucking ruin it in one topic. Just wait till we do. Casey. Man, people are gonna be so pissed at us. Without further. Unfortunately, ado. this episode is not about Casey Anthony. We're gonna finish up Jeffrey Dahmer. And it's uh, it gets pretty pretty fucked up. Ian, take it away. Where we left off on part one, Jeffrey Dahmer, we, we said that he didn't like the act of killing. He had to get himself pretty drunk to go through with it. All he wanted was that submissive partner that wouldn't move and just be completely still. So he got this idea in his head that he could zombify a person. So less than two months after his last murder, on April 7th, Dahmer encountered a 19-year-old named Errol Lindsay as he was walking to get a key cut. Lindsay was heterosexual, however, Dahmer lured Lindsay to his apartment on the promise of money to take nude photos. Like we said, this was a really impoverished area, so, you know, people are in a lot of need for money and... 100 bucks is 100 bucks. You're going to do what you got to do. Once Lindsay was in the apartment, Dahmer drugged him and drilled a hole into his skull and poured hydrochloric acid into it. Well, that can't be pleasant. Jesus. I mean, I guess it's better than sulfuric acid, but still. (laughs) Jesus. 
Dahmer came up with this plan, like we said, in hopes of keeping someone in a permanent, unresistant, and submissive state. According to Dahmer, Lindsay woke up after this experiment and said, quote, I have a headache. What time is it? So he woke up with a oh. hole in his skull and hydrochloric acid dumped in. Oh. Yep. What does that feel like? Just a headache? You're probably not feeling a ton, like right? Oh. Like your, your body's probably got to be shutting down. It's got to be in shock at least a little bit, right? You know what this reminds me of? You remember Hannibal when he had uh, Ray Liotta peeled the top of his head off and they were cooking his brain and serving it to him? Yeah. I, that just remi- this reminds me of that for some reason. Ugh. In response to this, Dahmer again drugged Lindsay and then strangled him. He decapitated Lindsay and kept his skull. He then flayed his body, placing the skin in a solution of cold water and salt for several weeks and hoping to permanently keep it. Reluctantly, he disposed of Lindsay's skin when he noticed it had become too frayed and brittle. By 1991, fellow residents at the Oxford Apartments had repeatedly complained to the building's manager, Sopa Princewell, over the foul smells coming from apartment 213, in addition to the sounds of falling objects and occasional sounds of a chainsaw. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, it's about time. It smells like there's a hundred corpses at my neighbor's and I hear a chainsaw all the time. (laughs) That's weird. Princewell did contact Dahmer in response to these complaints on several occasions, although he initially excused the odors coming from his apartment as being caused by his freezer breaking, causing the contents to become, quote, spoiled. On later occasions, he informed Princewell that the reason for the odor was that several of his tropical fish had recently died and he would just take care of it. Yeah. yeah it's my fish tank. Yeah. Muscoozy. Muscoozy. <laughs> That's what I would say every time they came to me. Muscoozy. Muscoozy. It seems to work, right? You're like, oh, hi. Right. Well, take care if of you've it. seen the movie, <laughs> if you're polite enough about it, and you slowly <laughs> you smile and say, Muscoozy. And every time oh, they okay. come back, you have less clothing on. <laughs> on the afternoon of May 26, 1991, Dahmer encountered a 14 year old named Connor Rack Sinsomophone on Wisconsin Avenue. By coincidence, Sisomophone was the younger brother of a bo- of the boy who Dahmer had exposed himself to in 1988. That's a small world, huh? Yeah, that's a fucking crazy coincidence. That really is. He approached the boy with an offer of money to come with him to his apartment and pose for Polaroid pictures. According to Dahmer, Sisomophone was initially reluctant to the proposal before changing his mind and going with Dahmer to his apartment where the boy posed for two pictures in his underwear before Dahmer drugged him into unconsciousness and performed oral sex on him. Dahmer then drilled a single hole into Sisomophone's skull, through which he injected hydrochloric acid into the frontal lobe. Before Sisomophone fell unconscious, Dahmer led the boy into his bedroom, where the body of 31-year-old Tony Hughes, who Dahmer had killed three days earlier, laid naked on the floor. According to Dahmer, he, quote, believes Sinselmophone saw his body, but did not react to seeing the bloated corpse, likely because of the effects of the sleeping pills he had ingested and the hydrochloric acid Dimer had injected through his skull. <laughs> yeah, that might do it. That <laughs> oh might put you in a God. trance-like state. Did he smell it when he walked in, though? What it, you know? I mean, but how can you even react? You got fucking literally acid. No, but I mean, your... when he walked into the apartment in the first place, this place is not big, right? It's a... Uh... I'm sure, lower it rent building, I'm sure it smelled. I'm sure it smelled. A dead body for three days? Jesus I'm sure it's Christ. Smelled. But again, like what? This, you know, he was going to make money. He wanted to make some money. Yeah, I guess. 
Synthesum phone soon became unconscious. Then Dahmer drank several beers while lying next to him before leaving his apartment to drink at a bar and then buy more beer. Was he drinking corpse revivers at the bar? <laughs> what is that? It's a, a drink. Is it? Cor- corpse reviver. Like a, like a mixed drink? Yeah. Well, if you're going to bring it up, I got to know what it yeah. is. I'm trying to remember. I, I'm... So you're going to bring up the drink and you didn't even look it up to see what I it wanna was? I want to say cognac maybe. Is a cognac-based drink? I, there's a bunch I of them, know. I think. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Yeah. A corpse reviver. I just remember hearing it somewhere. Right. I'll take a corpse reviver <laughs> and a Coors Light. Corpse survivor for me, not for the corpse in my apartment. <laughs> yeah. oh, there's no corpse in my apartment, but I just mean for, like for me. Like, it's like the, it's a cool down drink for I'm me. I'm not doing anything wrong or anything. Yeah, yeah. Stop it. I'm not guilty. And you just run out. You just run out of the bar. <laughs> in the early morning hours of May 27th, Dahmer returned toward his apartment to discover phone sitting outside naked on the corner of 25th and State, talking with a group of three concerned young women standing near him. Dahmer approached the group and explained to the women that Sinsomophone, who he referred to by the alias John Hung, was his friend, and attempted to lead him to the apartment by the arm. The three women stopped Dahmer and explained to him that they had called 911. That's when you run the other way, motherfucker. He sticks around. This guy's bold. I'll give him that. And it helps, I think, sustain his, yeah. you know, his acts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from he all... He ran and <clears throat> becomes suspect, right? Well, yeah, I'd be trying to get out of the country. You see, so you walk out of a bar, you're walking back to your house, and the 14 year old that you just injected, a, you drilled a hole in his head and put hydrochloric acid is sitting out in the front of your apartment on the street. Yeah, I think it's I'm going the other way. Wild. In all accounts of this, he was completely calm, like nothing was wrong. Probably also shit <clears> face, <throat> though, too, right? Like he's real drunk. That he's always helped. drunk. Right? That might have helped. Trying to do the, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just saying that might have, you know, you get liquid courage. Yeah. No, I mean, he's always drunk. I think we can assume he was drunk, yeah. Yeah. Upon the arrival of two Milwaukee police officers, John Belkerzak and Joseph Gabrish, Dahmer's demeanor relaxed. He informed the officers that Sinsomophone was his 19-year-old boyfriend and that he had drank too much following an argument and that he frequently behaved this way when intoxicated. The three women were getting more upset, and when one of them attempted to indicate to one of the officers that Synthomophone was bleeding from his buttocks and that he had seemingly struggled against Dahmer's attempts to walk him back into his apartment, the officer told her to, quote, butt out and, quote, shut the hell up and to not interfere, that this incident was, quote, domestic. Doesn't sound like a cop at all. I can't against even picture the, them saying something like that to they, people. They would never, Dave. Stop it's, it. It's rude and disrespectful. You, I just can't. You behave, Pally. Against the protests of the three women, the officers simply covered Synthomophone with a towel and walked him to Dahmer's apartment, where in an effort to verify his claim that he and Synthomophone were lovers, Dahmer showed the officers the two semi-nude Polaroid pictures he had taken of the boy the previous <laughs> evening. Imagine thinking like, yeah, this is this is my wife. Here's some nude photos of her. This <laughs> yeah, proves this is my wife. Sure. <laughs> the officers later reporting having noted a strange smell, reminiscent of excrement inside the apartment. That odor was the body of Hughes that had been sitting <laughs> there for three days. Yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> Dahmer stated to investigate this, one officer simply quote peeked his head around the bedroom, but didn't really take a good look. The officers left with a departing remark that Dahmer, quote, take good care of Synthesomophone. Oh, man. And th- these are the guys that when they, they were laughing and cracking jokes about him on the radio, right? 
yeah, they thought this was the funniest scene they've ever come across. This yeah. gay right. kid that was all drunk and yeah, hilarious. His his boyfriend. Yeah, they thought it was the, the funniest shit ever. Had the officers conducted a background check on Dahmer, it would have revealed that he was a convicted child molester and still under probation for that. Upon the departure of the two officers from his apartment, Dahmer again injected hydrochloric acid into Synthesome Phone's brain. On this second time, the injection was fatal. The following day, on May 28th, Dahmer took a day off from work to dismember the bodies of Synthesome Phone and Hughes and kept both of their skulls. Man, that's some bad police work. Here's the other thing that's fucking crazy about this. I mean, this is already really, really bad police work. I mean, this might be the worst police work we've ever talked about in a serial killer case. A couple days after this whole incident, a picture of this kid showed up as missing. And one of the ladies, one of the young women that were a part of calling 911. Told the butt out. Right. She saw the picture and she's like, that's the kid we called on. Like, Mm. you guys have to go back to that guy's apartment look and she called the police office you know numerous times they never responded to it wow i mean i feel like those cops should be charged should have been charged and barred from ever working in the police capacity again i mean at least fired at least fired fun fact about those officers when this all went down and Dahmer got caught they were both fired but then they were rehired in the following year after they were rehired they both got officer of the year awards (laughs) great Let me guess, the union got them rehired after a mediator sided with the police union. Yeah, that's... Something like that. I don't necessarily agree with them getting charged. Uh, I I think that's a whole separate debate we could have. But at least fired and then no chance of getting hired back on. Like, that's ridiculous. That's outrageous. That's absurd. On June 30th, Dahmer traveled to Chicago, where he encountered a 22-year-old named Matt Turner at a bus station. Turner accepted Dahmer's offer to travel to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot. At the apartment, Dahmer drugged, strangled, and dismembered Turner and placed his head and internal organs in separate plastic bags in the freezer. Matt Turner was never reported as missing. Five days later, on July 5th, Dahmer lured a 23-year-old named Jeremiah Weinberger from a Chicago bar to his apartment on the promise of spending the weekend with him. He drugged Weinberger and twice injecting boiling water through his skull, sending him into a coma, which he died from two days later. Is he running out of victims in Milwaukee? Why is he in Chicago now? um, So there was uh, a gay pride parade in Mm -hmm. Chicago, and it's reported that Dahmer never missed this parade. It was like a yearly thing, I believe. Yeah. And he went to it all the time. Like that was a big thing for him to go there. And also I read that like Milwaukee was a really transient gay community. Like people just came through there. So when this Matt Turner guy was not reported missing from what I read, it wasn't, that wasn't strange for that area for people to drift in and out Mm. of Milwaukee's gay bars and stuff. On July 15th, Dahmer encountered 24 year old Oliver Lacey at the corner of 27th and Kilbourne. Lacey agreed to Dahmer's offer of posing nude for photographs and went with him to his apartment, where the two had sex before Dahmer drugged Lacey. On this occasion, Dahmer intended to prolong the time he spent with Lacey while alive. After unsuccessfully attempting to render Lacey unconscious with chloroform, he called his workplace to request a day off. This was granted, although the next day he was suspended from work. Is he still at the chocolate factory? Yeah, that was his job this whole time. All right. Willy Wonka Dahmer from last week, I remember. (laughs) 
After strangling Lacey, Dahmer had sex with the corpse before dismembering him. He placed Lacey's head and heart in the refrigerator and his skeleton in the freezer. Four days later, on July 19th, Dahmer received word that he was fired from the chocolate factory. Upon receipt of this news, Dahmer lured 25-year-old Joseph Braidhoff to his apartment. Braidhoff was strangled and left lying on Dahmer's bed covered in a sheet for two days. On July 21st, Dahmer removed these sheets to find the head covered in maggots, whereupon he decapitated the body, cleaned the head, and placed it in the refrigerator. He later acidified Braidhoff's torso along with those of two other victims killed within the previous month. So he's just keeping bodies in this apartment for long long periods of time now. Two things. One, have you guys seen anything covered in maggots before? Yes. I have as well. It's not great. It's disgusting. Two, you're sleeping in an apartment where there are maggots crawling around. Like they're 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 not just getting in the fridge, like they're gonna be getting everywhere. I mean, we've been talking about this for two weeks at this point. I just cannot even imagine the scene in this place. And this is like a lot of the episodes that we've talked about where they yeah. just keep like beds and or you know dead bodies in their bed or their yeah. closet. And we're not talking know? about a big house where it's in the basement. It's an we're talking about a little apartment in the city. Like his his deep freezer is in his living room, yeah, where he's keeping all these body parts. <laughs> well, one, I think the smell. As atrocious as it is, you'd probably get used to it, right? Like, if that's where you lived, you might get used to it. Mm. Live maggots. It's fucking... I don't know, man. I would never be able to even set foot in there again. Yeah. When I did trash one time, a bag ripped in... You mean the one time you took your trash out to the curb, Ian? (laughs) You know, and did some household chores? Yeah, no. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Get out of here. (laughs) The one time Ian left his house and took the trash out. (laughs) Remember that one time I saw the sky? (laughs) It's beautiful, man. Is that how it always looks? So nice to be out there. (laughs) There was like a piece of food that, that fell out, like they that was left behind in the garbage can. I didn't know about it. And when I went to uh to throw something away in there a couple days later there was maggots all over it and it was the most fucking disgusting thing i've ever seen in my life like i just wanted to throw away that whole that whole trash can i'm like that this is done did you guys i mean this is gonna get all right warning this gets fucked up. trigger warning from mike trigger warning um maybe even for ian have you guys ever seen those photos like in in some places where if somebody's got like a, a like a infection on like their leg they treat it with maggots yeah like, they eat away like the dead skin have you guys mm, seen yeah. that stuff i once saw a photo before i knew like this existed right of some like like it was someone's leg and it was covered in maggots because they were like eating away i think like the the flesh like, like the, the necrotized the skin yeah. yeah i did not sleep for two nights <laughs> Because I kept thinking about it, like how, like I would just like I'd fall asleep and I'd wake up thinking about it. Get that maggots off of me! It's the only time like I've ever really been disturbed huh. like that, and it it fucked me up. Like, and I guess it was a health treatment. Like they were treating the guy's leg. I think there was doctors even there in the photo, like you know, just kind of observing it. Mm-hmm. But it fucked me up that someone's yeah, leg was yeah, just maggot infested. I couldn't imagine. That's like I did not sleep for you two nights. You would not nights. go that with was, that course of treatment. You'd have your leg amputated. Cut the fucking leg off. Mm. Cut the fucking leg off. Yeah. I'm lazy enough as it is. Just give me an excuse to be lazy. I'll just have one leg and just That's a good point. Hop around. Even less you have to do. Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. <laughs> 
<laughs> on July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer approached three men with an offer of $100 to accompany him to his apartment to pose nude for photographs, drink beer, and simply keep him company. One of these men was 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, who agreed to go with him to his apartment. Upon entering Dahmer's apartment, Edwards noted the foul smell in several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, which Dahmer claimed to use for cleaning bricks. All right, thanks for having me over, but I'm going to take off now. I forgot about an appointment I had. <laughs> oh, just remembered. I got to yeah. get going. Yeah, it's getting late here, Dommy. After some small conversation, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view his tropical fish, whereupon Dahmer placed a handcuff on his wrist. When Edwards asked, quote, what's happening, Dahmer unsuccessfully attempted to cuff his wrist together, then told Edwards to come with him to the bedroom and pose for nude pictures. While in the bedroom, Edwards noted nude male posters on the wall and that a videotape of The Exorcist 3 was playing. He also noted a blue 57-gallon drum in the corner from which a strong odor came from. Are you panicking at this point? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You got a handcuff in this. Yeah. Your, one of your I mean, hands you is handcuffed. As soon as the handcuff touched me, I'd be panicking. Yeah. Like, I agreed to come here. Why are you putting a handcuff on me? Yeah. Did he say what's happening like Megan the Stallion does? What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> over my head, dude. That joke is over my head. <laughs> Sorry. I don't watch TRL. I'm not hip to this. Uh, oh, Jesus. TRL. <laughs> Dahmer then took out a knife and told Edwards he intended to take nude pictures of him. In an attempt to appease Dahmer, Edwards unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would allow him to do so if he removed the handcuffs and put away the knife. In response to this promise, Dahmer simply turned his attention toward the TV. Edwards observed Dahmer rocking back and forth and chanting before turning his attention back to him. He placed his head on Edwards' chest, listened to his heartbeat, and with the knife pressed against him, told Edwards he was going to eat his heart. Okay, now I'm panicking for sure. <laughs> How do you even stay remotely calm in this situation? I feel like, uh, what is it, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Temple of Doom, when he starts reaching in like this fucking chest to pull oh, out his man. heart. It's about what it goes like right here. In continuous attempts to prevent Dahmer from attacking him, Edwards repeated that he was Dahmer's friend and that he was not going to run away. Edwards had decided he was going to either jump from a window or run through the unlocked front door at the next available opportunity. So I mean that's that's keeping it calm in this situation. Like from all accounts, he was he Edwards was calm and he was just kept reassuring Dahmer like, "Hey man, I'm your friend. I'm not I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to hang out with you. Like we can hang out." That's yeah. the way to do it, though, right? He, he's thinking through it. Yeah. A couple of different escape options. Stay calm. Like look at your surroundings. See mm -hmm. what you can do. Wait for your moment. I mean, if not, you're gonna spook Dahmer, and that knife might be right. plunging into your chest wall. Of course it will. Yeah. And then you know this guy likes to drink because he invited you back to drink. Have some beers. You know, drink let him up. loosen up. Yeah. When Edwards next stated he needed to use the bathroom, he asked if they could sit with a beer in the living room where there was air conditioning. Dahmer agreed and the two walked into the living room when Edwards exited the bathroom. Inside the living room, Edwards waited until he saw Dahmer have a momentary lapse of concentration before requesting to use the bathroom again. When Edwards got up from the couch, he noted Dahmer was not holding the handcuffs when Edwards punched him in the face, knocking Dahmer off balance and ran out the front door. Smart. Good move. At 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, Edwards flagged down two Milwaukee police officers, Robert Routh 
and Rolf Mueller at the corner of 25th Street. The officers noted Edwards had a handcuff attached to his wrist when he explained to the officers that a, quote, freak had placed the handcuffs on him and asked if the police could remove him. And then they so, shot him six times in the, <laughs> in the <laughs> face, right? Damn. <laughs> Sorry. When the officer's cuff keys failed to fit the brand of handcuffs, Edwards agreed to go with the officers to the apartment where Edwards stated he had spent the previous five hours before escaping. Like, no, I think I'll wait in the back of the cruiser. You guys can head on up there. I'm not sure I'm going back up there. When the officers and Edwards arrived at apartment 213, Dahmer invited them inside and acknowledged he had indeed placed the handcuffs on Edwards, although he offered no explanation as to why he had done so. At this point, Edwards told the officers that Dahmer had also held a large knife on him and that this had happened in the bedroom. Dahmer made no comment to this, indicating to one of the officers, Mueller, that the key to the handcuffs was inside his bedside dresser. As Mueller entered the bedroom, Dahmer attempted to pass him to retrieve the key, whereupon the second officer, Ralph, informed him to, quote, back off. Trying to get to that uh, drawer before the cop. Yep. In the bedroom, Mueller noted that there was indeed a large knife beneath the bed. He also saw an open drawer, which on closer inspection contained tons of Polaroid pictures, many of which were of human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. Not pleasant photos. No, no. No, no they are not Search pleasant. at your own risk. There's only one set out there. <sighs> if you want to see them, that's on you. Officer Mueller starts looking at these, at these Polaroids, and then he's looking around the room, and it's like, like it clicks with him, like, oh, I, I'm in the same room where this shit's going down. Like, all the, the decor's the same. There's the furniture. Like, I'm in the photo studio right now oh. for all this stuff. Mueller then walked into the living room to show them to his partner, uttering the words, quote, these are for real. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> When Dahmer saw that Mueller was holding several of his Polaroids, he fought with the officers in an, in an effort to resist arrest. He said, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> the officers quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, and called a second squad car for backup. At this point, Mueller had opened the refrigerator to reveal a freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf. As Dahmer laid pinned on the floor beneath Routh, he turned his head towards the officers and said, quote, for what I did, I should be dead. Acceptance is setting in. Can you imagine you saw all those Polaroids and then you open the refrigerator and there's just a oh, yeah, severed head staring back at you? I don't think I could. I can't imagine what that would be like. Whew. A more detailed search of the apartment conducted by the Milwaukee's Police Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen. A total of seven skulls, some painted, some bleached, were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside a closet. In addition, investigators discovered collected blood drippings on a tray at the bottom of Dahmer's refrigerator, plus two human hearts and a portion of arm muscle, each wrapped inside plastic bags on the shelves. Oh. Is there any in food Dahmer in there, too? Like, was he eating food that was commingled with all the this The pictures stuff? do not show any food. Some mustard bottle or something? Yeah, just condiments. <laughs> yeah. He liked to put on yeah, the biceps. Just, uh, in Dahmer's freezer, investigators discovered an, an entire torso, plus a bag of human organs and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom. Investigators also discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, 
two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in the 57-gallon drum, three further dismembered torsos dissolving in the acid solution. A total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims were also found. In reference to the recovery of body parts and artifacts, the chief medical examiner later stated, quote, it was more like dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene. That makes complete sense. Beginning in the early hours of July 23, 1991, Dahmer was questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy as to the murders he had committed and the evidence found at his apartment. And I like the way that Patrick Kennedy tells this story. It's like he, Dahmer sat down and started telling him about Stephen Hicks that he killed way back in 1978. And Patrick Kennedy's like, we're talking about something now in 1991, and this guy's going back to 78. I, I'm not he didn't taking believe this him. serious. Yeah, he right? didn't believe like, him. And then they came in and told him, hey, you know, there's all these bodies in there, all this stuff, and there's heads in the refrigerator. So he's like, all right, I'll go back and I'll take you serious now. <laughs> Tell me about 1978. Yeah, right. So over the following two weeks, Kennedy and later Detective Patrick Murphy conducted numerous interviews with Dahmer, which when combined totaled over 60 hours. Dahmer waived his right to have a lawyer present throughout his interrogations, adding he wished to confess all as he had, quote, created this horror and it only makes sense I do everything to put it to an end. So altogether, he admitted to having murdered 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1987 with one further victim, Stephen Hicks, killed in Ohio back in 1978. And also the obligatory PSA, uh, don't do a Dahmer, folks. Waiving your right to a lawyer should not be something that's in your vocabulary. It's like the official statement of Necronomapod. It's my official right? statement. Yeah. <laughs> Waving your right to a lawyer is not something you should ever do. I feel like with all this damning evidence in in this one, this is like the one specific case <laughs> that I'd be like, you know what? You yeah, don't me. really need a lawyer, man. <laughs> <laughs> you might have got me. Yeah, there's no way getting around this one. <laughs> Dahmer willingly admitted to engaging in necrophilia with several of the victim's bodies including performing sexual acts with their viscera as he dismembered their bodies in the bathtub. All right. Now, viscera is internal organs. What is it, a sex act with an internal? What does that even mean? Who even When knows? I think of that? Oh, my God. I'm thinking of wrapping. I mean, it, the first thought that enters my mind is wrapping internal organs around, around yourself and getting off like oh. that. Like it's a flashlight of human organs. Wow. That is some depravity. And also, it's interesting that that's the first thing you think of. <laughs> Making mental notes over here. <laughs> this guy's an intestine fucker. Just saying, if the FBI's listening, don't search our house. Search. <laughs> <laughs> Having noted that much of the blood pulled inside his victim's chest after death, Dahmer first removed their internal organs then suspended the torso so the blood drained into his bathtub before dicing any organs he did not wish to keep, impairing the flesh from the body. The bones he disposed of were pulverized or acidified with Soilex and bleach solutions used to aid in the preservation of skeletons and skulls he wanted to keep. In addition, Dahmer confessed to having consumed the hearts, livers, biceps, and portions of thighs of several victims killed within the previous year. Describing the increase in his rate of killing in the two months prior to his arrest, Dahmer stated he had been, quote, completely swept along with his compulsion to kill, adding, quote, 
It was an incessant and never-ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost. Someone good-looking, really nice-looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long. Hashtag no uggos. (laughs) Gotta be good-looking. You know, and he said that, you know, in those interviews he did, he said he ate them. It wasn't like he wanted to eat them out of being hungry or something like that. It was to make them feel like they were a part of him. Forever. Yeah, like he ate them and they became part of him forever. Sounds like church. Until he shipped them out. Then what? And they're out of you, Pally. I mean, what do you want? You shit Jesus out when you eat those Eucharists, you know, the crackers. (laughs) Do you? I mean, you do. Or you 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 eat them like they're fucking snacks. They are tasty. They're not, but that's okay. It's a difference of opinion. Your favorite movie snack? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Bag of Jesuses. Bag of Jesuses. I don't have the authority to say the prayer to turn it into Jesus, though. That's right. So it's just wafers. It's wafers. It's wafers. It's wafers. <laughs> what do you mean, pre-Jesus wafers? It's a to you, Pally. <laughs> These guys were scheduled to become Jesus, but I interrupted the process. Intercepted. <laughs> These are not pre-Jesus wafers. You're not Jesus material. <laughs> I'm going to eat you while watching some fucking Italian horror film tonight. <laughs> Might dip you in some ranch. <laughs> oh, boy. Gonna make some almost Jesus wafer nachos. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. A little shredded cheese, some jalapenos. And you say, every time you take a bite, you're like, "No Jesus for you." <laughs> when they asked him why he had preserved a total of seven skulls and the entire skeletons of two victims, Dahmer stated he had been in the process of constructing a private altar of his victims' skulls, which he intended to display on a black table located in his living room with the photographs of the bodies of many of his victims. This display of skulls was to include at each side with the complete skeletons of Miller and Lacey. The four severed heads found in the kitchen were to be removed of all flesh and used in this altar, as was the skull of at least one future victim. Incense sticks were to be placed at each end of the black table, above which Dahmer intended to place a large blue lamp with extending blue globe lights. The entire construction was to be placed before a window covered with a black opaque shower curtain in front of which Dahmer intended to sit in a black leather chair. (laughs) When asked in a November 18, 1991 interview who the altar was dedicated to, Dahmer replied, quote, myself, it was a place where I could feel at home. He further described his intended altar as, quote, a place for meditation from where he believed he could draw a sense of power, adding, quote, if his arrest had happened six months later, that's what they would have found. Oh, man. He should have started an interior design firm. It sounds like he had some good ideas. (laughs) You know, minus the human aspect, but that black leather chair in front of the altar. Sounds comfortable. Something there. Dahmer Interior Design. We'll make Established Bath, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) We'll turn your apartment into a place where you can rest your head. And your dick. In, <laughs> All in, the other in shit ahead. in your fridge. In a head. Oh, my God. <laughs> in his confession, he drew out a sketch of what this would, what this whole thing would look like. It's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. He had a plan. We'll be right back. We like to drink beer. A lot of it. After a long night of drinking and talking crime and conspiracies, there's nothing that wakes us up and gets us ready to start the day better than just brew coffee. 
With a great selection of roast levels to choose from, you're guaranteed to find one that suits your style. Small batch roasted to highlight the unique features of each coffee bean, Just Brew Coffee caters to both casual and hardcore coffee drinkers alike. Since 2010, Just Brew Coffee has worked tirelessly to perfect the roasting process and technique, which has resulted in seriously delicious, always flavorful, and never bitter tasting coffee. If you're already drinking JBC, raise your mug. If you're not, raise your standards. Check out their online store at youjustbrew.com and up your coffee game today. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your order of two pounds or more. And remember, they roast, you just brew. Today's episode of Necronomapod is brought to you by Beardology. There are a lot of imitators out there, but there's only one place I buy my beard oil. Beardology beard oil nourishes your skin and won't leave you with that greasy feel. With over 17 cents available in their extensive product line, I trust my beard to Beardology. You can find Beardology at beardology.co. Use code NECRO15 to receive 15% off your purchase. Beardology, discover the best way to avoid the shave. On July 25th, 1991, Dahmer was charged with four counts of first-degree murder. By August 22nd, he had been charged with a further 11 murders committed in Wisconsin. On September 14th, investigators in Ohio, having uncovered hundreds of bone fragments in the woods behind the address in which Dahmer had confessed to killing his first victim, formally identified two molars and a vertebrae with x-ray records of Stephen Hicks. Three days later, Dahmer was charged by the authorities in Ohio with Hicks's murder. Dahmer was not charged with the attempted murder of Edwards, nor the murder of Tomey. He was not charged with Tomey's murder because the Milwaukee County District Attorney only brought charges where murder could be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, and Dahmer had no memory of actually committing this particular murder, and there was no physical evidence that it, you know that existed of this crime. Just for that one. It's interesting. Yeah. What? Who was the, the Tomey? Which victim was that? That was the one where he blacked out, where he got really drunk and blacked out and then woke up and... Okay. Tommy's dead, and he's like, "Well, what the fuck happened?" So it started him on his path again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At a scheduled preliminary hearing on January thirteenth, nineteen ninety-two, Dahmer pleaded guilty but insane to fifteen counts of murder. Dahmer's trial began on January thirtieth, nineteen ninety-two. He was tried in Milwaukee for the fifteen counts of first-degree murder before Judge Lawrence Graham. By pleading guilty on January 13th to the charges brought against him, Dahmer had waived his rights to an initial trial to establish guilt. The issue debated by opposing counsels at Dahmer's trial was to determine whether or not he suffered from either a mental illness or personality disorder, with the prosecution claiming that any disorders did not deprive Dahmer of the ability to appreciate the criminality of his conduct or deprive him of the ability to resist his impulses. The defense argued that Dahmer suffered from a mental disease and was driven by obsessions and impulses he was unable to control. I don't know, man. Anyone that can possibly do that is at least minimally insane, right? I don't. I don't know. It's I, weird the legal definition it's, it, of, it's, of and before we insane. And I know we're going to get into here the next few pages. We're going to be talking about a lot of like scientific, you know, and uh, you know, mental health mm-hmm. information, but. You know, I, I don't know, Se- sexual impulses, the fact that he had to get really drunk to do it, to me, lends itself to he knows what he was doing was wrong, sure. but he had to get drunk just to do it. And that was just my, that's just my thoughts going into it. Yeah. That Does that necessarily mean you're not insane, though? 
I think you know what's right and wrong, and I think that's what the court's looking for, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's all it comes down to is do you truly know the difference between right and wrong? Well, and as soon as the cops took him down, what did he say? I deserve to die for what I've done. To me, that settles the entire debate. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yep. As soon as he was handcuffed, I deserve to die for what I've done. He knows. And you can go, you know, Ed Gein was found criminally insane yeah. because he just, he was just completely, he had no idea what the hell was going on. And I think you could make the same argument for Richard Chase. He was way he out was a, there, yeah. Yeah, he was a very, very sick individual that, you know, had no well, chance by with no, his schizophrenia. By no means am I saying that he that, that Dahmer's not sick, but, you know, I just think that, that, you know, he has different issues and he knows right from wrong. He might have, you know, yeah. sexuality issues that need addressed, which, you know, doesn't excuse the facts and should mean he should be held, you know, yeah, and I mean, he was a functioning person in society. He had a job, you know. Right. He, he kept could make his a job. chocolate, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Well. Richard Chase was wrapping oranges in plastic wrap around his head because he thought he needed more vitamin C <laughs> or whatever, you know, and that <laughs> was going to cure about his. That. Can you make <laughs> so. that a trivia question for next week, please? <laughs> Patreon.com slash Necronomapod if you want a shot at me in trivia. I'll dominate like I always yeah. do. Well, the other person, will, the patron, will get the question. But sure, we can do that. Okay. Now that's fresh in their minds. Well, we can throw in there. Uh, what did Richard Chase think he had growing out of the back of his head? Mm. Can can I get a multiple choice, please? Sure. <laughs> Defense experts argue that Dahmer was insane due to his necrophilic drive, his compulsion to have sexual encounters with corpses. Defense expert Dr. Fred Berlin testified that Dahmer was unable to conform his conduct at the time that he committed the crimes because he was suffering from paraphilia, or more specifically, necrophilia. Dr. Judith Becker, a professor of psychiatry and psychology, was the second expert witness for the defense. Becker also diagnosed Dahmer with necrophilia. The final defense expert to testify, forensic psychiatrist Dr. Carl Wallstrom, diagnosed Dahmer with necrophilia, borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, alcohol dependence, and a psychotic disorder. That's a laundry list. Tonight's topic, should necrophilia be illegal? Ian, go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mike, what say you? I will concur with Ian, yes. But what if I what if I had what if I had a signed contract from a recently deceased person indicating that, that they would like to have relations post mortem? Should that make a difference? Their personal choice? Legally, if they're dead, does it still count? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. What if it's my final wish? Should my wish not be granted? That that your corpse be fucked? Yeah. By Olivia Wilde. <laughs> my final <laughs> wish that my my corpse be fucked <laughs> by Olivia Wilde. I mean, I'd help. I'd, I'd do my best to help honor that. Okay. Just, I just ask questions. I'd tweet her the photos. Of the contract and say, hey, toots, <laughs> toots, this guy, he needs you. It's his final wish. Help us out. All right. Valid point. Still probably not the best. Right. So you guys think necrophilia illegal? I, I'm on that side. Yeah. yeah. Involuntary necrophilia, I'm also on your side. Voluntary necrophilia, I don't know. I have some questions. <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> That's, where I land. Possible, That's where I land on it. <laughs> might be a possible debate down the road. Final wishes are final wishes. Am I right? 
No, I don't know if you're 100% right. I don't know if I can agree with that. Just because you're dying doesn't mean you get anything you want. My final wish, I want, uh, you know, so-and-so dead. That doesn't mean you get it. Mm, True. Be nice. Be a lot cooler if you did. Speaking of final wishes, I think we discussed releasing the Necronomapod casket in the near future. So, Who wouldn't want to be buried in that? Yeah. Who would be the first Necronomapod casket? Like, that would be the thing. Yeah. Who wants to step up? If you get buried in a Necronomapod casket... There's a good chance at least two out of three of us would show up to your funeral. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's why I said two out of three. It gives us an out for yeah. one. Yeah. And the casket will be like half half as much as the kiss casket. Be oh, right. of course. It'd be cheap. very much, much cheaper. Much cheaper <laughs> than the kiss casket. If you get buried in a Necronaut pod casket, Dave will give the eulogy at your funeral. Absolutely. You'll go right to heaven. Fast tracked. If you thought this guy was dead, <laughs> stick around. <laughs> <laughs> this is Necronaut pod. That's funny. If you thought this guy was dead, <laughs> stick around. Wait till Mike cucks him with his wife. <laughs> this is Necronomapod. His, his last will and testament, his last wish was to have Mike bang his wife on top of the casket as, as it's being lowered into the ground. <laughs> that Dude, that's going to be a Patreon episode, though, at least. This hundred dollars across America. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think we just nailed it. Hey, buy the casket. You're famous. No. It's not bad. $50 patrons get access to that episode, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Dave's eulogy and me banging the, the widow. <laughs> or the guy. The, the, what's the term for? Is a guy? What's the term for widower. a guy? A widower. A sure. widower. I'll bang the widower, too. I don't mean to be sexist here. Like, if if the female dies and her last, you know, wish was for me to, you know, cock her with her husband. <laughs> okay. Sir? Yeah. Do whatever it's got, you got to do. <laughs> Dave will still do the eulogy. We'll bang on the casket. So I'll be higher tier of patrons, of course. You'll drop your load, and then they'll drop the load casket, <laughs> drop the casket into the ground. Oh, oh, boy. This got out of hand. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> the prosecution rejected the defense's argument that Dahmer was insane. Forensic psychiatrist Dr. Philip Resnick testified that Dahmer did not suffer from primary necrophilia because he preferred live sexual partners as evidenced by his efforts to create an unresistant, submissive sexual partner devoid of rational thought and to whose needs he did not have to cater. Another prosecution expert to testify, Dr. Fred Fosdell, testified that his belief that Dahmer was without mental disease or defect at the time he committed the murders. He described Dahmer as a calculating and cunning individual able to differentiate between right and wrong with the ability to control his actions. Although Fostel did state his belief that Dahmer suffered from paraphilia, his conclusion was that Dahmer was not a sadist. Mm. So Dahmer might have been a cunning individual, but was he a cunning linguist like the three of us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be said. Like the sticker says, cunning linguists. Available at necronomapod.com. That's true, it is. The final witness to appear for the prosecution, forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz, began his testimony on February 12th. Dietz testified he did not believe Dahmer to be suffering from any mental disease or defect at the time he committed his crimes, stating, quote, Dahmer went to great lengths to be alone with his victim and to have no witnesses. He explained that there was ample evidence that Dahmer prepared in advance for each murder, Therefore, his crimes were not impulsive. The, the, the advanced planning does lead to f- or, or show forethought, right? Which is... I, I 100% think so. Premeditated across of course. the board, yeah. Yeah. 
and and that's why I, th- I feel like you know Ed Gein got it because you know there was it was not it, it was complete impulse you know yeah um, and I think you can make that like I said you could make that argument really strong for Richard for Richard Chase I mean he did that stuff completely on impulse and never tried to cover up what he was doing he just went along and he didn't know what the fuck he was doing he was just out yeah of he was he had all kinds of stuff going on in his head. I really wish that they would have called me in for like these court hearings. You know, in college, they used to call me the lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Because I used to prosecute the pussy. <laughs> Without prejudice. Of course. <laughs> of course. Throw some legal terms in there. <laughs> Although Dietz did concede any acquisition of paraphilia was not a matter of personal choice. He also stated his belief that Dahmer's habit of becoming intoxicated prior to committing each of the murders was significant, stating, quote, if he had a compulsion to kill, he would not have to drink alcohol. He had to drink alcohol to overcome his inhibition to do the crime, which he would rather not do. Well, I guess. I mean, you also got to drink alcohol to overcome your inhibition on, you know, banging the ugly girl at 3 a.m. and the bar's closed <laughs> well, so too, you, right? You make yourself drink to do something that you don't yeah, people, feel comfortable people do doing. People do that all the time. Yeah, right. That's called everyday life. But why does he have to do it then? <laughs> why does he have to do it? I mean, it's a fair statement. Because he doesn't really like killing. He doesn't like it because he knows it's wrong. I just think that's a good point for the, yeah. the prosecution is yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Ian, is Mike's uh, proclivity for titty fucking, is that a paraphilia? In your, in your <laughs> medical opinion? In all sure. fairness, they're alive. They're alive. <laughs> Get, this is, you, can't, you can't be going back to bonus episodes that people have no con- uh, context of. Uh, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. I recommend the uh, bonus episode where we did some questions with Ed from Pod Van Dam. Our good friends over at Pod Van Dam. We did a little uh, episode with them and... You can hear more about me titty fucking. You can hear about Mike's eight second titty fucking adventure. It Please. did not last very long. It was at least half that time. <laughs> <laughs> Dietz also noted that Dahmer strongly identified with evil and corrupt characters from both the Exorcist Three and Return of the Jedi, particularly the level of power held by these characters. Man, I love Exorcist Three. What a great movie. When the details of this came out that you know, that he really liked The Exorcist 3 and Return of the Jedi. It, it was reported in the news that you couldn't fucking find those movies anywhere to rent. <laughs> I bet. Because everybody rented them to be like, what did Dahmer see in these movies right, that right. he identified with? Meanwhile, like the movies are still the same. He's just a fucking weirdo. <laughs> right. and just found <laughs> right. weird yeah. things to get off on him. Exorcist 3 is really good. I'm going to have to watch that now. It's Do creepy. you have to see Exorcist 2 to get Exorcist 3? Not 2. I mean, 1 would help, not 2. Well, I've, well everyone's. No, 2 well, not I want to say everyone's seen 1, but there's people like me who haven't <laughs> seen all those movies. I've seen Exorcist. Yeah. But, no. It's yeah. kind of... A, it's more of a sequel to 1, I think. 2 okay. is kind of silly, if I remember. So mounting on the significance of these movies on Dahmer's psyche and many of the murders committed at the Oxford Apartments, Dietz explained that Dahmer occasionally viewed scenes from these films before searching for a victim. Dietz diagnosed Dahmer with substance use disorder, paraphilia, and schizotypal personality disorder. Two court-appointed mental health professionals testifying independently of either prosecution or defense were forensic psychiatrist George Palermo and clinical psychologist Samuel Friedman. 
Palermo stated that the murders were the result of a, quote, pent-up aggression within himself. He killed those men because he wanted to kill the source of his homosexual attraction to them. In killing them, he killed what he hated in himself. Palomar concluded that Dahmer was a sexual sadist with antisocial personality disorder, but legally sane. Legally sane, Mike. Uh, so I'm saying. I think so. I, I don't feel like that he hated himself because he was gay is accurate, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, bo- I'm bored with that. Hmm. I mean, he went to the gay pride parades every year. I mean, if you hated yourself for it, why would you go he to did, that every he year? Didn't, I don't think he hated himself. He definitely was... Like he he hid it right, like none nobody who knew him knew that he was gay, right? Like, he hid it from his parents initially. Sure. I don't know if he ever came out to them, but as a teenager, he definitely hid it from yeah. from them. Yeah, so I think I agree with you guys. He didn't hate himself for that. Friedman testified that it was a longing for companionship that caused Dahmer to kill. He stated, "Quote: Mister Dahmer is not psychotic. He spoke kindly of Dahmer, describing him as quote amiable." Pleasant to be with, courteous, with a sense of humor, conventionally handsome, and charming in manner. He was and still is a bright young man. He diagnosed Dahmer with a personality disorder, not otherwise specified, featuring borderline, obsessive-compulsive, and sadistic traits. It's a good-looking guy, Dahmer. Yeah, when he's wearing the, the famous picture of him with the blue shirt and yeah. his glasses off and stuff, he does look, you know. Yeah, he's conventionally handsome. I agree with that. Yeah. I would have went up to his apartment for 25 bucks. <laughs> Take some photos. Maybe not. Someone's got to. I mean, <laughs> I smell if you were in a tight apartment. situation, you never know. I mean, who, who are we to say? You never know. Of course. So the story with that blue shirt, that did that detective, what is it? Pat Kennedy, Ian? Is it Pat Kennedy? Yeah. Got really close with Dahmer. And, you know, he was the one who got like the confession from him and, you know, got all that. And before Dahmer went to court, Dahmer was really embarrassed by what he had on, like what he had to wear just coming, you know, from being locked up. Yeah. Pat Kennedy said, let me see what I can do for you. He went home. His son, who was in, I think he said a sophomore in high school, but had a big growth spurt, was about the same age as Dahmer. Yeah. And he asked his son, do you have any clothes, you know, dress dress up nice clothes that you, you aren't going to wear? His son goes, yeah, I got the shit you bought me for Christmas last year. I'm not going to wear Sears Roebuck. Yeah, right. I'm not going to wear anymore. <laughs> it was literally the outfit that Dahmer wore to court. Oh, shit. He gave it to, to his dad, Pat Kennedy. Pat gave it to, to Dahmer to wear to court, and that's the infamous photo. And it, but it came from the, the, hmm. you know, the investigator's son, which I just thought was really cool. It's like, like an interesting fact. I think it's interesting that even after explaining to him how he killed, cooked, and ate, all these people that he also he was able to convince him to view himself in a sympathetic light, maybe that he would even Pat, go out of his way to do this. Pat Kennedy in this Ian, what's the name of the documentary? It's the uh, Dahmer the, Files. The Dahmer Files, yeah. yeah. It's re- Pat Kennedy tells a hell of a story. It's it's an interesting documentary because it doesn't actually tell much of Jeffrey Dahmer's story, but it tells a lot of the investigation side mm-hmm. and Pat Kennedy's side. Pat Kennedy took a strong liking to Jeffrey Dahmer. And I think, Ian, what did we say? I think we even talked about it last week. Like, after the investigation was over and, like, Dahmer was, you know, uh, convicted, like, he broke down and cried because he was just overwhelmed with, like, you know, this this whole investigation cost him his marriage, his family for Pat Kennedy. And, you know, he had nothing left. 
but he had built this bond with Dahmer mm. and throughout their their oh, discussions. That's wild. Yeah, I, I I agree with you too that Patrick Kennedy is a good storyteller. I mean, he's he, uh, he's fun to watch. He's got a fantastic mustache, also. So the trial lasted for two weeks. On February 14th, both counsels delivered their closing arguments to the jury. Hey, did uh, Jeffrey ca- pass out uh, hearts for Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. Each counsel was allowed to speak for two hours. Defense attorney Gerald Boyle argued first, repeatedly going back to the testimony of the mental health professionals, almost all of whom agreed Dahmer was suffering from mental disease. While Boyle argued that Dahmer's compulsive killings had been a result of, quote, a sickness he discovered, not chose. Boyle portrayed Dahmer as a desperate, lonely, and profoundly sick individual, quote, so out of control he could not conform his conduct anymore. Following the defense counsel's 75-minute closing argument, Michael McCann delivered his closing argument for the prosecution, describing Dahmer as a sane man in full control of his actions who simply tried to avoid detection. McCann argued that the act of murder was committed in hostility, anger, resentment, frustration, or hatred, and the 15 victims whose murder he was tried, quote, died merely to afford Dahmer a period of sexual pleasure. McCann further argued that by pleading guilty but insane to the charges, Dahmer was seeking to escape responsibility for his crimes. Yeah, I think we agree on that. Yeah, I think so. You know, my opinion on some of the the mental health stuff is... I don't agree with some of it, like he, him hating himself for being gay or, mm-hmm. you know, some of that stuff. But I think as a collective whole, they kind of nailed it down. Yeah. Besides the defense saying that he was insane. he I don't think he was insane right. at all. Yeah, great. On February 15th, the court reconvened to hear the verdict. Dahmer was ruled to be sane and not suffering from a mental disorder at the time of each of the 15 murders for which he was tried. On the first two counts, Dahmer was sentenced to life imprisonment plus 10 years, with the remaining 13 counts carrying a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment plus 70 years. The death penalty was not an option to consider at the penalty phase, as Wisconsin had abolished capital punishment in 1853. There you go, Mike. Good for them. No capital punishment. I'm okay with it. Is that still to this day? Probably not. I believe so. Hmm. Think so? I do not know. Well, Ian, you keep talking. I'm going to go to the Google machine, and I'm going to get back to that. So you go right ahead. Upon hearing of Dahmer's sentencing, his father, Lionel, and stepmother, Sherry, requested to be allowed a 10-minute private meeting with their son before he was transferred to the Columbia Correctional Institution in Portage to begin his sentence. This request was granted, and the three exchanged hugs before Dahmer was escorted away. Three months after his conviction in Milwaukee, Dahmer was extradited to Ohio to be tried for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks. In a court hearing lasting just 45 minutes, Dahmer again pleaded guilty to the charges and was sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment on May 1, 1992. After this sentencing, Dahmer was transferred back to the Columbia Correctional Institution. Yes, that is true. And uh, capital punishment is still banned in Wisconsin. There was only one... Uh, since its admission to the Union in 1848 as the 30th state, the only execution carried out in Wisconsin was that of an immigrant farmer, John McCaffrey, who was hanged in 1950, uh, 1851 for drowning his wife. Mm. Wisconsin abolished the death penalty in 1853. In 2006, an advisory referendum 
showed 55.5% of Wisconsin voters were in favor of reinstating capital punishment. However, the state legislator did not adopt any statute to apply that, to apply the popular vote. So they took a poll and people were in favor, but they did not apply it. There you go. If you want to kill people, do it in Wisconsin. Yeah. Just like Ed Gein. (laughs) Follow, Follow your hero. Make some lamps. For the first year of his incarceration, Dahmer is placed in solitary confinement due to concerns for his physical safety, should he come into contact with fellow inmates. With Dahmer's consent, after one year in solitary confinement, he was transferred to a less secure unit where he was assigned a two-hour daily work detail cleaning the toilet block. Shortly after completing his lengthy confessions in 1991, Dahmer had requested to Detective Murphy that he be given a copy of the Bible. This request was granted, and Dahmer gradually devoted himself to Christianity and became a born-again Christian. Mm. (laughs) That's nice. Well, I mean, so it's great because now Dahmer can get in heaven with all of the people he ate. So it's great. Glad he uh, glad he found Jesus. He reformed. Sure. On his father's urging, he also read creationist books from the Institute for Creation Research. <laughs> I'm sure they have a lot of wise information. Oh yeah. There. Another PSA. Uh, it's not a reputable source of information. So maybe <laughs> maybe stay away from those books. Institute for Creation Research <laughs> literally sounds like it's paid for by Scientology. Yeah, that's that's not a real thing. But you know. Read you can re- if you can read one book. Why take the time to read a bunch of other ones? It's a lot easier, right? The worst thing that ever happened to me was us doing our Scientology episodes and me finding out there's a Scientology channel on Directv. <laughs> I watch that channel way more than I'd like to admit. That's preposterous, guys. I think they're turning me. They're turning me. They make a lot of sense. <laughs> they make a lot. I'm just. Kidding. Oh yeah. I'm just kidding. It's fucking ridiculous. It's literally paid infomercials. For just Scientology mm. shit. But it's fun to watch, you know, for an hour. Did you find out where Shelly Miscavige is, is at? They have not said. Incident. Fuck! I've been trying and waiting right. and I've been asking them. Right. Someday. We'll find out. Hashtag, where's Shelly? In May 1994, Dahmer was baptized by Roy Ratcliffe, a minister in the Church of Christ and a graduate of Oklahoma Christian University in the prison Whirlpool. Following his baptism, Ratcliffe visited Dahmer on a weekly basis up until November 1994. Dahmer and Ratcliffe regularly discussed the prospect of death, and Dahmer questioned whether he was sinning against God by continuing to live. Referring to his crimes in a 1994 interview with Stone Phillips on Dateline NBC, Dahmer stated, quote, If a person doesn't think that there is a God to be accountable to, then what is the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. Well, as a devout atheist, you can go fuck yourself, Jeffrey Dahmer. That's what I have to say. (laughs) Boom, roasted. Religious people are always floating this argument that uh, people that don't believe in God, they have no no reason, you know, not to rape and murder. Right, because I'm not a fucking asshole. You know, a piece of shit human. Yeah, just good morals as a human being. I don't need your scary God to make me a good person. Fuck off, idiot. (laughs) Dumb argument. In July 1994, a fellow inmate, Osvaldo de attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor embedded in a toothbrush as as Dahmer returned to his cell from, from Ratcliffe's weekly church service conducted in the prison chapel. Hey, what did Dahmer ever do to anyone? Leave him alone. <laughs> Leave Dahmer alone. 
Dahmer received superficial wounds and was not seriously hurt in this incident. According to Dahmer's family, he had long been ready to die and accepted any punishment which he might endure in prison. In addition to his father and his stepmother maintaining regular contact, Dahmer's mother Joyce also maintained regular contact with her son. Joyce related that in her weekly phone calls, whenever she expressed concern for her son's well-being, Dahmer responded with comments to the effect of, quote, It doesn't matter, Mom. I don't care if something happens to me. Think you guys would like prison? You guys would do good in prison, you two. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Do a fine job. Mm -mm. I'd stab a motherfucker on the first day. You got to assert dominance. You got to, absolutely. You have to do something. Day one. You have to. It's unfortunate, but you have to. Well, you're going to be sucking Nazi cock by the end of the day if you don't, right? And you might even if you, you know, strike the wrong person and lose that fight. But yeah, that would be my plan. If I went to prison first day, I'm getting in a fight with someone. And they'll be carrying you out in the back door in a body bag. Probably a good case scenario, right? <laughs> like, depending how long you're there for. Kill or be killed, you might as well just go down fighting. On the morning of November 28th, 1994, Dahmer left his cell to conduct his assigned work detail. Accompanying him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The three were left unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for approximately 20 minutes. At approximately 8.10 a.m., Dahmer was discovered on the floor of the bathroom's gym, suffering from extreme head and facial wounds. He had been severely bludgeoned about the head and face with a 20-inch metal bar. His head had also been repeatedly struck against the wall in the assault. Although Dahmer was still alive and rushed to the nearby hospital, he was pronounced dead one hour later. Anderson had also been beaten with the same instrument and died two days later from his wounds. Scarver, who was serving a life sentence for a murder committed in 1990, informed authorities he had first attacked Dahmer with the metal bar as Dahmer was cleaning a staff locker room before attacking Anderson as he cleaned an inmate locker room. According to Scarver, Dahmer did not yell or make any noise as he was attacked. Immediately after attacking both men, Scarver, who was thought to be a schizophrenic, returned to his cell and informed a prison guard, quote, God told me to do it. Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer are dead. Scarver was adamant that he had not planned the attacks in advance, although he later told investigators he had concealed the 20-inch iron bar used to kill both men in his clothing shortly before the killings. I mean, if God told him to do it, you can't disobey. I guess so. What do you do? So I I didn't plan to do this, but I did hide a 20-inch metal bar in my clothing. (laughs) Well, he got direction from the Lord in his cell. What's the guy supposed to do? He might have smited him (laughs) if he didn't listen. It's true. Upon learning of his death, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, responded angrily to the media, quote, Now is everybody happy? Now that he's bludgeoned to death, is that good enough for everyone? The response of the families of Dahmer's victims was mixed, although it appears that most of them were pleased with his death. The district attorney who prosecuted Dahmer cautioned against turning Scarver into a folk hero, noting that Dahmer's death was still a murder. On May 15, 1995, Scarver was sentenced to two additional terms of life imprisonment for the murders of Dahmer and Anderson. God, when you're at that point, you can just keep killing people, right? All right, you got another additional life sentence. <laughs> I mean, what's the point? Yeah. You're already like at some die. point, they got to send you to Supermax, right? Or you can't get out of your room all day? Yeah, they'd probably just throw you in solitary confinement. Yeah. 
Although Scarver had confessed in 1994 to having concealed the weapon used to kill Dahmer and Anderson in his clothing on the morning of the murders, in 2015 he publicly stated the murders of Dahmer and Anderson had resulted from a confrontation in which one of the two men had poked him in the back as the three had began their assigned work detail. In this renewed account of events, Scarver claimed the two had laughed at him when he turned around in response before Dahmer and Anderson each walked to their separate rooms to begin their cleaning duty, with Scarver following Dahmer toward the staff locker room. Scarver alleges that immediately before murdering Dahmer, he had cornered him, presented a newspaper article detailing Dahmer's crimes, and demanded that Dahmer answer whether the account was true. Scarver further alleged that he had been disgusted by Dahmer's crimes and that Dahmer had been openly unrepentant, that Dahmer taunted prison employees and fellow inmates by shaping his food into imitations of severed limbs, complete with ketchup to simulate blood splattering, and that prison staff, knowing Scarver's hatred for Dahmer, had deliberately left the two unsupervised so that he could kill him. That's what people say, the guards were in on it. Yeah, that they knew damn well it was going to happen, yeah. kind of prison justice shit. Yeah. What if he was really shaping his food like that? Seems a little out of character. That I don't I don't necessarily believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's accurate. I don't know. I feel like he was probably a model inmate. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the inmates were scared of him. They didn't want to get eaten. Well, of course. You know? It, yeah, and I and you know that there's that the the mentality of, you know, if you kill somebody with a name like Jeffrey Dahmer, it's gonna give you credit. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, that prison justice shit happens sometimes where guards turn a blind eye to stuff, so... I don't believe it. I don't believe that. That guards were in on it? Yeah. I don't. No. No, I don't. I think Dahmer was a model inmate on a cleaning crew that probably was just a model cleaning crew, and I think that uh, Scarver had his own agenda. I don't necessarily believe that the inmates were in on it. I don't disagree. There's no proof. Yeah, yeah. There's no proof of that. That's just my thoughts. Yeah. I, I don't think. I think he was probably, you know, like he wanted. He felt he deserved to be there. Yeah. He was probably a model inmate. I don't think he was bragging about his killings. He was waiting for something to happen to him, and then something did. You know, from someone who mm-hmm. didn't like him or whatever. And I, I don't know. I don't think the inmates had anything to do with this one. Yeah. Is Scarver? You mean the guards? The man who killed him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe his story. Oh, okay. He says the guards were involved. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Is Scarver still alive? Can we send Mike out on a trip to Wisconsin to interview him? Maybe? I'll talk to uh, him. I believe he is. Oh. Yeah. Hey, motherfucker, I don't believe you. What are you going to do across that glass? <laughs> Come at me, you little bitch. All of a sudden, the prison <laughs> yeah. riot breaks out yeah. and Mike's stuck in the prison. Get me, motherfucker. You ain't going to touch me. I'm going to fuck your girlfriend, you piece of shit. Cucks across this prison, motherfucker. Yeah, cucks across this prison. <laughs> Fucked your girlfriend. How's it feel, you little bitch? <laughs> Jesus. You ain't gonna touch me. Then all of a sudden, like, a door opens, and I'm just fucking out of it. Like, I'm like, uh-oh. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I was only joking, Mr. Scarver, sir. <laughs> Furthermore, Scarver stated that Dahmer was so disliked by fellow inmates that he required a personal escort of at least one guard whenever he was out of his cell to prevent inmates from attacking him. I could see that being true. I believe that. Dahmers had stated in his will that he wished for no services to be conducted and that he wished to be cremated. In September 1995, Dahmer's body was cremated and his ashes were divided between his parents. 
the Oxford apartment at 1924 North 25th Street, where Dahmer had killed 12 of his victims, were demolished in November of 1992. The site is now a vacant lot. There were plans to convert the site into either a memorial garden, a playground, or to reconstruct a new housing development, but all that failed to materialize, and it's just an empty, empty space. So to this day, it's still an empty space. Yeah. Wow. Probably looks terrible. Should build a chocolate factory on the site, maybe. <laughs> Lionel Dahmer is retired and now lives with his second wife, Sherry. Both have refused to change their last name and have professed their love for Dahmer in spite of his crimes. In 1994, Lionel published a book, A Father's Story, and donated a portion of the proceeds to, from his book to the victims' families. Most of the families showed support for Lionel and Sherry, although three families subsequently sued Lionel, two for using their names in the book without obtaining prior consent, and a third family, that of Stephen Hicks, filing a wrongful death suit against Lionel, Sherry, and Dahmer's biological mom, Joyce citing parental negligence as the cause for the claim. I left them home alone. Yeah, okay. They're victims. You know, who knows sure what the fuck are. they're going through. Sure they are. And Dahmer's younger brother, David, changed his last name and just went off the radar. No one knows. He just coasted off into life. Probably smart. Smart idea. Yeah, yeah. You don't be fucking in touch with all those interviews you'd be getting every day. Yeah. Carry that Dahmer name yeah, around. I don't blame him. That Dahmer house, fellas, is 10 minutes from here. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a we, lovely We could probably go house. find some teeth in that backyard still. Oh, man. If we dug hard enough. Be arrested for trespassing. Maybe so. It's worth it. Probably. I'm sure no one ever goes up to that guy's yeah, house. No one ever. <laughs> we would never be the first ones. So that is Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, an interesting postscript to this I read is that guy, Tracy Kennedy, that got away and got the cops. Wait, like. Well, Kennedy oh, Tracy Edwards. Tracy Edwards. Edwards. Kennedy sorry. is the detective. Sorry, Tracy Edwards. Uh, was it ten, five, six, seven, seven years later? He ended up going to prison for throwing a guy off a bridge. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Only for like a year and a half, though. So. Really? Yeah, I think it was a very short sentence for helping throw Maybe a guy over a bridge. Self defense. Yeah. He had flashbacks, PTSD. Mm. I would. Goddamn. All right. Well, that's the infamous Jeffrey Dahmer, huh? Episode 100 and 101. Hometown hero. Ian, you got any last thoughts on uh, this guy? No. No, I <laughs> nope. think, we, <laughs> I I think like, we covered it. It was pretty thorough. Good 100th episode. I'll say that next week is a subject that is, is really fun for me. So, yeah. Quote fun for Ian. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited about next week's episode. Not to say he wasn't excited about this week's episode, obviously. Yeah. I'm excited about all of them, but I'm really excited for next week. No, folks, it's not. Um, it's not the history of Shawn Michaels' tights. So <laughs> I fucking wish. I wish. Climb can off we, the ledge right now. Can we make that a Patreon? Can we make that a Patreon episode at least? I need that in my life. We should do a Patreon watch along with me and you watching God, Shawn damn. Michaels' matches. You know, she'd hear the whole time. Holy shit. No, I well, thought you, you were know what? Do the other sound officially. Officially, Dave's not invited to that. <laughs> Ian, it's just gonna be you and me, and Dave's There's not invited. The other sounds as soon as the match is over. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's not invited. He doesn't get professional wrestling. He's not invited. I'm, I'm all down for a wrestling watch along. Fuck yeah, for Patreon. 
People are going to hate that, though. We've been talking about a watch-along for a long time. Can you imagine if the first one was wrestling? They would blame it on me <laughs> and say how much they hated me for making wrestling the object of the show. True. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some shout-outs. Here we go from Patreon. We got some newbies. Simtismo, Lindsay Cole, my buddy Corey Peart, old sea bear. Thank you for signing up. <laughs> Caitlin Hotch. KT Weaver, MJV, Heather Smith, Zeke, Jessica Burns, Zach, Victoria Stanton, Erica, Jade Robinson, and Beer Panda. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate your support. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got for us? For iTunes, I have one for Tyler Hammer. Who I think just became a patron. Mid-show, Yes. Tyler, thank you very much. Appreciate your support. Vicky Stanton, Blake Bain, Packy Mule. That's a hard life. <laughs> Lulu KC. Oh, you know what? Lulu KC was a updated one. She said that you're her favorite, Dave. Oh, she has good taste then. She likes how you uh, make note of who's uh, who's an imbecile in the world. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I'm very I'm very good at it. Cheers to you, Lulu Casey. <laughs> and then I have, uh, and then Electrical Dan the Man and Flipper PM09. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. All right. Dave, what do you got for us? I have a special shout out to Aunt Dana. Hope you're recovering well from your shoulder surgery. Get well soon. Thank you so much for listening, also. Appreciate it. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod patreon.com slash necronomapod uh, we appreciate everyone who signs up and you get bonus content and we have a good time doing it so thank you guys very much and we'll see you guys next week alright you guys ready for a cool down beer cheers <laughs>